Welcome to Authorized, tertiary topics, sub-podcast within Authorized, where we discuss books that are not novelizations, but similarly owe their existence to a film. Why do we do this? Our reasons vary, book to book, but this time, it's because an actor got so obsessed with his own character that he decided to take a stab at writing that character's backstory. And that's just unique and strange enough to whet the appetite of me, the programmer of this show. We are your hosts, a loose coalition of... Uh... Uh, Don't say riddle enthusiasts. No, I'm trying Don't to think of so- any other specific. Uh, <laughs> we are your hosts, a uh, loose coalition of CCTV enthusiasts. My name is Andrew Overby. I'm Matt Darnell. Mm-hmm. When is it me? Oh, yeah. Okay. Forgot what Max's status was. I'm just glad he's here. Yeah, it's so good to have him back. <laughs> I, just really nice I thought to you, I thought you guys cue me in. <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah, we do cue you in. I couldn't remember if you were a guest or like okay. like a John Goodman level host that we just haven't seen in nine months. <laughs> um, but I I'm glad you're here. Anyway, the point is I'm Hannah Blackman, the third host present here. The Riddler, Year One, is a graphic novel slash a series of loose comic book issues compiled into a book. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Written by Paul Dano, a baby boy, and illustrated by Stevan. Do we think it's Steven? Do you think it's pronounced Steven? I or think Stevan? it's Stevan. Stevan Subic. He's like a cool guy. A prequel to the 2022 film The Batman, it follows Edward Nashton, a forensic accountant in Gotham City who uncovers the wellspring of corruption that underlies Gotham's allegedly beneficent programs. Inspired by masked vigilante, the Batman, Nashton repeatedly attempts to run his discoveries up the flagpole to bring those bad actors to justice, but will lip service be enough, or is the only way to emulate an anonymous wraith to become one yourself in a scary way instead of a fun way? He thinks he's one and the same. They are, they should, they're best friends in his mind, and I get it. Mm-hmm. I get where he's coming from. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll get into it. The Riddler, year one, was published in six installments beginning in October 2022. It has seemingly concluded, leading as it does right up to the opening scene of the film it ties into. It was published as a collection in November 2023. That's now. That's three weeks ago, but yes. Oh, yeah. Hannah, hey, you doing okay? It's it's December. <laughs> this year, I don't know if you guys feel this way. This year has gone way too fast. Oh, absolutely, it should not be December 2023. That's insane. It should be March 2022. I don't know what oh. happened to this year. It's gone. Well, you know, it feels a little bit like March 2022 in the sense that uh, I'm thinking about the Batman a lot. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. Our guest today, a. Just all-around personality, actor, podcast host, friend, based out of Chicago, as well as a frequent guest on our podcast. Many episodes, including, of course, our bonus episode on the film The Batman. Max Fitzpatrick, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's it's good to be here. I think 2023 should end as soon as possible. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, other than that, I, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. 
Max, you uh, graciously uh, returned this this book to me uh, earlier today. You yes. found me on the streets of Chicago and and passed this back to me. How was it, just in general, to return to the the blockbuster world of the Batman? Uh, we're talking so much about time right now, but you know, a year and nine months hence. Yeah, I, I mean, we 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 gave it the rewatch, and uh, I think I said before. We rewatched it. I was like, you know, I think this was 30 minutes too long. <laughs> we, we were like, what scenes would you cut? And uh, I was like, I'm not sure, but let's rewatch. And we rewatched <laughs> and we found there were three boys <laughs> in a row. Yeah, say more about it. Say more about it, because I thought it was really cool as well. Yeah, that intro uh, by Paul Dano was just uh, amazing. When an actor creates, like, backstory and things like that, you kind of, like, eye roll a little bit. Is it, like, is he too, too method? Is he too, you know, uh, obnoxious with it? But I actually thought he created a really good little story. And, um, yeah, I thought the art was amazing, despite the, uh, the little Photoshop, like, tricks that were in there i i don't know i don't know if you guys noticed that but i wasn't what do you wait no what do you mean by that i am confused so like when like uh he's doing things on a computer you'll you'll see like a photoshopped image like on a computer or like um or like a headline or something like that and it's like they used to draw that back in the day in graphic now oh i'm sure they still do for some of them but i don't i don't know i i don't want to I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to label lazy. I'm not going to say that. I thought it was, you know, it's still hard work to do stuff like that, but I don't know. It threw it threw me off. I, I definitely feel that everything in this graphic novel was done with intentionality. It's so specific the art is so interesting, but yeah. I, I hear what you're saying if not in relation to that specific computer screen thing. I just I feel like there's so many choices made in this book visually and there it's not one unified idea. It's not like it's one type of animation or or whatever that seems to have been carried through, one type of visual choice. Uh and yeah, sometimes I was like, "Oh, this page looks incredible. Next page don't love the concept." Mm -hmm. You read the artist statements at the back, right? I did not. I did not. I did not. No? Okay. Um, after the sort of like variant cover gallery, as is often the case if you buy a collection of stuff, you get like the art from, you get like a statement from the artist and like sketches and he's like, here's what I was trying. And a lot of what he says is partially like, I knew that I couldn't just draw Paul Dano. We had to get a little bit artsy with it. And then he talks about how it was important to him that, like, the art changes as Edward deteriorates. Yes. And that's all very, very purposeful. Um, nothing was spontaneous, from the traditional inks in the first issue to the digital inks in the last one. 
as well as the color treatments I used from the first to the last chapter. It all served precisely to make the reader embrace Edward's transformation and encourage them to dive deeper by reading the story. So I think some of the ways in which things are hand-drawn early on and then become digital and then become so unbelievably hand-done is Mm, all mm -hmm. um, just like so purposeful. Uh, And I think the juxtaposition of these sort of like digital elements to the the handwritten issue (laughs) where it's just his like spooky diary for like an entire issue. Mm. Um, Yeah. I visually, I think I agree with you. I'm not totally in love with seeing just like full digital creation, but it's definitely purposeful. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I think it, it does have that same like novelization quality where it's, like what is specific to this medium what does it really give you because like we we know the riddler's backstory from the movie by and large and so and from that book over be read oh yeah i of course read the batman year one or what was it called before the batman is what it was called and it was a children's book telling this the backstory of the robert pattinson batman that went out of its way to say did you also know that the riddler was a psycho little kid who loved puzzles <laughs> I could have guessed. And was at this orphanage and bumped into Bruce when they were kids, which is also present in this book. Well, the, is that in the movie too? I don't remember. I think, I think the biggest point is like there, there is something unique. Like it's the obvious story. It's the story we know. It's the story you've been told in multiple ways. And so that was the thing I, I think I at least enjoyed the most uh, mentally was seeing how the art sort of fed into that, explored it more gave you something at least a little bit new. So yeah, that, that, that was my, my last point on that. I'm confused about Paul Dano's opening note for this reason. So Hannah's mentioning how there's this agreed upon reality, this agreed upon backstory between the David Lumen before the Batman book and the Riddler year one, right? And it so that must have come from a common source, right? That the conception of the character involved this. He was at the orphanage thing. He looked up to the Waynes, that whole thing. Uh, and in the intro, Paul Dano says, you know, I, I told Matt Reeves, here's my idea of how the backstory for this character culminates. Here's, here's what he does basically right before the movie begins. And Matt Reeves went, wow, that's so cool. That should be a graphic novel. This led me to think, that I would read this, and and I liked this a lot. I thought this was a very dynamic, exciting, beautiful, visually beautiful book. But I thought for sure reading it because of the intro that it would end in some unforgettable and inventive way. And the fact mm-hmm. that the book is somewhat unforgettable and inventive, and then at the end it basically goes, and this ties up pretty much exactly as you would assume it would to lead to the events of the first film— that confused me. What the fuck did Paul Dano say to Matt Reeves that made him go, that sounds like a great conclusion. That sounds like something we should build to. I also had that experience. I was like, surely there's some like pow at the end uh, that's going to knock my little boots off. Yeah. Um, and then it didn't. Although I was very intrigued by the development in the last issue or two of the the like growth of the Riddler's like online community of sickos. Mm-hmm. Um, And that he so clearly is like, I'm doing good work. I'm not just doing terrorism on the streets and murder. This is for the benefit of the town, which I don't feel like I got from the movie and felt sort of like new information. But again, I didn't rewatch the movie. 
Mm. I haven't seen it in a year and a half. Don't remember. Max and I did rewatch the movie together, as he alluded yeah. to. And uh, I was just, uh, I loved it again, all over again. Hadn't seen it since the theaters and found it so propulsive, so exciting. The idea that the Riddler is completely obsessed with the Batman and basically sees them as twin brothers separated, you know, uh, before birth is very much in there. Mm-hmm. I think Dano does a really good job of marrying his on-screen performance to the way this character is written. Uh, especially since the Riddler character, as as portrayed in the Batman, is this guy with two sides. He's He's brooding, dark, and angry, and he also throws tantrums. And I thought that it's it's easy to do brooding dark and angry in a graphic novel that you know it's all all this interiority of going i'm upset about this these people are disgusting and and whatnot but i also thought the book did a pretty good job of showing he was unstable and while they couldn't really show him throw a tantrum uh in the way that the movie could I definitely got the feeling that if i was outside of his perspective he would look a lot more pathetic there are also a bunch of scenes where he like ideates of like hurting himself and hurting other people and then is like, oh, that's so stupid. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. this is exactly a guy that uh, is Paul Dano in the Batman. There's also a lot of times where he's like the, the speak bubble goes, no, exclamation point. And I can't help but think of him going, no, <laughs> all the all time. It's so, uh, but yeah. But it feels like... If, if we already know about the orphanage stuff and we already know about the sort of maybe twin brother stuff, I think that the, it feels like the scene that Paul Dano really started pulling from is the that, that explosive no scene where he's like, I've had this parasocial relationship with you. I have decided that we're on the same team and that we're best friends and we're not, so what the fuck? And I do think that that was the thing that felt like the most unique to to this graphic novel but also my favorite thing about it was watching him through action through being inspired by the batman for for that to really trigger that parasocial relationship where like he's dating himself but he's like thinks he's dating the batman instead and he's like you've inspired me so much and obviously you subscribe to the same motivation and thought process for all of this nonsense um Mm -hmm. and yeah it was cool i think to to get a little bit more of his interiority with all of that when he gets the messages from whoever online who's like here's how you get into the files you know Mm -hmm. and then he's like it's the batman of course and at some point he goes like is it do we think it is or is it just some other schmuck that he's you know projecting onto where's this part say that again i'm sorry um when he's doing his investigations into his own company's financial history. At some point he realizes he has to go look at the hard copy files and they're stored in some copper mine outside of town. That's hard that you can't get into. Yeah. And he like posts on his forums or whatever. Like, how do we, how do I do this? And somebody reaches out and is like, I know exactly how to do it. Here's the instructions. Here's how you do I'll let it. You in. And then he does it. I absolutely. Is, and do he not. thinks it's the Batman. I absolutely do not believe that is the Batman. I mean, 
having rewatched the movie, do you believe that he it, thinks it's the Batman though? Because definitely, I, I kept thinking definitely. about that. Oh like, yeah, yeah, I think that's... the dude outside his apartment building too, where I was like, do you think you're going to get assassinated, or do you think that's the Batman? Like, I think what factually happened is that he was cultivating a following of loonies, and they were a varied background. And he posted about this thing, and one of them had that access. And I do think it feeds yeah. into uh, Nashton, the Riddler's. Uh, it, it, I do think it feeds into his delusion because he he wants to go. This must be the Batman. He's trying to help me. But if this is meant to be in marriage with the film, the first interaction of the Riddler and Batman is so clearly the Batman has never thought of this man. Aside from as an absolute psycho that he needs to stop, he has no respect for him. And even beyond having no respect, he really doesn't even know what to think of him. It's big, you know, it's big, um, you know, I don't think of you at all, Don Draper energy. And, and, and <laughs> I absolutely cannot, I, I do not believe that he is secretly helping Nashton. But not, what I what I would say is maybe he is, but he doesn't know it because this is an anonymous forum interesting interesting that maybe they do have this sort of like dovetail of interests for a moment and then the direction nashton takes it is like way too violent or whatever than what the batman thinks is what you should be doing with this information or whatever um me i was just asking your opinion i also am sort of like i don't really think it is i think it's more potent to the character if he's just fucking wrong he's just dreaming uh, that the batman is is taking care of him and looking out for him and helping him when it's just some guy i like that that does feel like the right answer because that's even more interesting than him just like projecting like a the person wasn't there because like this 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 feels kind of like the todd phillips joker movie in a lot of ways uh and for like the twist sure. potentially to be like, oh, this person that we've been spending all this time with and seeing on screen or on pages and they don't even exist. Okay, fun twist. Uh, I like the fact that he's just wrong a lot better than that. Oh, you were ultimately dissing that twist. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to respond to this. He's saying he loves the twist from the. No, 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 no. I don't like that twist. <laughs> I think it's really, I think it's really goofy. And so, yeah, yeah I, really I, I don't want the Riddler. I don't want the Riddler to do that, where he's just like inventing these own fake people to, you know, soothe his soul or whatever. Hannah, you talked about how he negatively ideates. So, in, in at the beginning of the graphic novel, the very start is him doing this this sort of ritual he has where he tells himself to breathe, right? Where he's going, you know, mm -hmm. calm down, stay, uh, stay present. Uh, and we come to see that it's because he has suicidal ideation, because he has violent ideation, because he has all this anger. He almost immediately, you know, runs in front of a subway car and dies. And then it turns out it's just a fantasy about... Uh, wanting to wanting to get away from it all and he goes back to being like no breathe like don't kill yourself just breathe in breathe out and i think that those violent ideations are also essentially happening in a positive feedback direction where he's going uh oh everything that happens can uh confirms what i think about me and the batman and confirms what i think about my calling here in gotham i think that he's both fighting uh, these negative harmful tendencies and he's also 
almost failing to fight, but experiencing uh, delusion. And instead of pushing back on it, he's going like, yeah, yeah, that's, that feels good. That one feels good. So I'm going to, I'm going to indulge it. Whereas things about me dying, well, that doesn't help anybody. I'm going to push that one down. It's also such, he's also like listening to like self-help podcasts. (laughs) Like, yeah. It's such a clear, yeah. like a, the statement of the film, The Batman, feels so much about like uh, the city has failed its people so deeply yeah. that you start having this like crop up of vigilantes and nut jobs doing crazy fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, so we also see in this that Edward has applied for Gotham renewal money or help mm-hmm. like a hundred times. Or housing maybe? I wasn't time. sure. Or housing. Or something that would get him in a system seeking help. And if he was in a system where someone was checking in with him every three months to say, like, are you spending this money in the way that we want you to or whatever, someone would say, you are not well. And now we need to get you in a different program to help you not become the Riddler. Mm -hmm. But the town is such a, like, festering wound of corruption that instead of helping people like him... Or the other Riddler guys out there, um, it allows him to spiral. And there's, and even when, I mean, most of this story is him trying to do something good, mm-hmm. genuinely trying to like stop financial crimes. Um, you know, and when he can't, he's like, I guess I'll become violent. Well, yeah, and and his breaking point is is largely about logic. As this guy who understands the logic of puzzles and riddles, and he gets the answer for, oh my god, society is corrupt. But like, the response is nothing. The response is just you continue mm-hmm. sort of falling through those cracks in the system and stuff. Very early, he's like, I went to the police, and so that that woman who's experienced more of life than he has. Is like that's fucking dumb. They won't do yeah. shit, obviously. <laughs> and that's like up. a very eye-opening moment uh-huh. <laughs> for him. There's there's a moment in one of the later issues. I think it's issue five. I cannot believe that this is a Ezra Klein op-ed, but apparently it is. Uh, but it's it's Ezra Klein sort of talking about this phenomenon, like the Batman and the vigilantes and and societal failure. And there is an idea in here that I really really love which is basically like the Batman represents their failure. Like the criminals don't represent failure because crime is sort of taken for granted. It's part of how societies sort of live. It's just, there's always going to be crime. There's always going to be police trying to stop it. But for the Batman to be summoned by like that much corruption and that much inaction by the police force, I do think that's like a fascinating sort of breaking point for the Batman, of course, but also for the Riddler to be like, this is so far gone. You know, my motivations aren't great. And like his overall yeah. plan isn't great. Uh, but there's no way to solve this within the system. Mm-hmm. So like blow up the system. I have to Why exit not? the system and blow it up and drown the rats. And, and to think about that tied into like the hope that he does genuinely feel from the Batman in that parasocial way, but also the ending of the film itself where like that's how the movie ends is him being like oh shit like i was inspiring these kind of people instead of these kind of people like i need to be the beacon of hope instead of just like the incel message board hero that people are kind of seeing me as let's walk through the plot of this thing a little bit yeah i have one question for andrew and max before we do that is the drown the rat stuff in the movie i don't remember he's like a caged rat and then a caged bat i think but i don't I don't think there's any implication that he was drowning them. 
Okay, I mean, the tie in throughout this, when we get the full backstory issue and then to the end, where, like, some someone at his orphanage was like, here's how you kill rats, you drown them. And he has just, like, held that really tightly and decides to flood the city as a way to drown all of the rat people. Oh, um, yeah. Clicked so nicely and cleanly to me. And I was like, is that present in the film? as a concept i, I agree I, with max that no because really okay. in the really in the film they show it, the this aspect now that you're bringing it up it almost feels like the film was waiting for the prequel to come out because the <laughs> the, the, the as max says they do show a, a bat in a cage and they of course have him go uh i don't know i guess my revenge on the city will be uh, flood fuck it and they never explain the flood okay right yeah well paul dano thought about it <laughs> yes and he figured it out for us. He really he really thought on it. Okay, so to walk through the plot a little bit, the basic setup for how he gets involved in all this is Edward Nashton is a forensic accountant, and his boss goes, hey, can you check out this animal shelter? I think they might be doing something sketchy. Why the fuck his boss asked him to do this, given what we learn? I mean, Jesus Christ. It, it, it essentially turns out that this animal shelter is... Uh, what uh, d- 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 laundering money or or facilitating it's like a front? Yeah, it's facilitating all sorts of crime and and bribes and whatnot. And mm. uh, also, the boss is involved, so I'm confused. I think that was just like a middle management issue, where it's like it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, a request from the boss who was at that time involved. It was more the middle manager guy just trying to like you know, yeah, it off. Mm-hmm. and yeah. then it. And their dynamic, sorry, I, I just have to Please. point this out. The, like, you're talking about, like, the handsome, like, ladder climber guy who's like, y'all take these to boss. You don't worry. We're going to go to the top or whatever. Did that not? Okay, I'm sorry. I see this meme on the internet sometimes, and it's like a handsome business guy popping in the office, and he's, like, hitting on uh, oh, yeah. a lady. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> and he's got the guns. And then there's a guy who looks awfully like uh, an Edward Nigma type of character going in, like, Hey, uh, what's up? And it's like harassment or something. Resources. And I was like, did, did this? Did, I was like, did they play on this Yo, a little bit? Am I? No, am you, I, uh, the, I can't the, help. But like... The ladder climbing, <laughs> handsome office man looks exactly yeah. like that cartoon. Exactly like that. Cartoon. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, okay. and you are so okay. fucking right. It's crazy, Max. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you. I've been I've been waiting for my moment for this one. Yeah, I do think I do think that the the hello hr person <laughs> the guy i do think he looks more like vincent d'onofrio yeah, than yeah paul that's dano, not that's but... not a paul dano type but the fucking yeah. guy is i can only hope so in the intro paul dano was like i we were we had so much emailing about how this would look and what it would all be like i love to imagine paul dano being like so i saw this meme and i think <laughs> this is what this guy should look like i think we talked a little briefly about the art style in this which i think is really good really interesting spooky very francis bacon very egon sheila and it's is so i have to give paul dano so much credit for being he knows what he looks like but it is so unvain to allow this to look the way it looks there are so many deeply unflattering presentations of his face he puts in this shot where it's just his you see that where it's just like him in glasses looking scared looking like a little coward he puts his eyes closer together than they are. <laughs> I do like little baby 
when he's a little kid though at the orphanage looking like a little turtle <laughs> yeah oh yeah hey, matt the, the him as the baby it looks like the 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 child dinosaur from that movie babies baby sinclair oh my god the dinosaurs yeah yeah the, the old it, TV he show. looks like the shot the baby from the dinosaurs when he's a baby <laughs> he does <laughs> it's yeah it's funny sometimes it's funny and i'm glad there's one there's one here where he, he has like this teeny teeny little smile <laughs> yeah and it it kind of made me laugh anyway props to dano for going i know my face looks like that it's a circle it's fine draw it as you please and andrew just to pick up the the plot thread um like yeah that doing that file for that animal shelter which is obviously a rotten corporation like that's what really makes him recognize for the first time that like everything is so fucked systemically it did take him a little while i think um and it is interesting to think about this type of character where like there's an alternate reality where like he's just some like multi-million dollar quant guy working for like a hedge fund or something like that like it is an interesting version of this where it's like oh man you could just go be like the money ball guy but instead he's just like stuck under the thumb of some shitty handsome middle manager guy just looking at accounts and stuff something interesting about serialized storytelling is that you know there you have less control over the product you put out right so um i remember reading the green mile for the first time which was published serialized in a newspaper as opposed to being a normal stephen king novel and there's just straight up inconsistencies in the plot there's characters that change names there's characters that really change characterization and it's like oh this is because he didn't fucking know necessarily exactly where this was going to go when he started and unlike a novel he couldn't just change it once he got to the end. He couldn't go back and change it. And there's a little bit of that going on here, not in the facts of the story, not that he actually gets things wrong or that there's inconsistencies, but his idea of how Nashton writes in this psycho journal he has starts out very, in my opinion, kind of like dumb and obvious, and then gets much more nuanced. I mean, in the first issue, we have this one that's a entire page of I am enough, I am enough, and then at the bottom, no, you are not in giant letters, which is kind of stupid, I'm just going to say. And then, as <laughs> Hannah says, eventually we get almost an entire issue of journal stuff, and it's much more complicated thoughts. It's like, you know, if money runs downhill, then don't you have to be in a grave to get it? It's just much more interesting, and it felt like as an author he got more into the head of this character as it went on. I think that's probably true, but I also think that by the time we read the issue that is entirely scary journal stuff, like he he's not even trying to be a normal boy anymore. Sure. You know? Sure. And I think the I am enough stuff is like self-help podcast bullshit. Of he's like trying essentially to self-medicate and ha handle himself. And eventually he gives up and is like, I'm leaning in to being a nut job. Um, and his handwriting always looks like that. And then he's just like so much more compelling by that point, too. Because, yeah, like I, yeah. Th there's a reason why he's not that like, you know, wanted a hedge fund. Like he's clearly mentally unwell from the very beginning, trying to do all these like self-help things and everything like that. But, yeah, to see him really come alive once he lets loose and to see him just be like, OK, like 
yeah the 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 puzzle the logic it all failed me but he does yeah he really comes alive it's 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 really cool to watch that like full-on collage style come in where we're not just like reading a, a graphic novel we're actually like looking through his journal as though it was evidence or something and like yeah it, it pops off the page in a cool way I kind of can't imagine going to my local comic book store and being like, uh, the Riddler issue five, please. And then yes. getting a scary journal. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I because clearly these came out in like little comic, like. I think they were floppies. Yeah, I think they were. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. And then I'm thinking like, yeah, imagine getting that issue and being like, that's. This is it. Yeah, I would have felt that way about the kid one, where the issue where it's almost entirely yeah. him as a kid. I would. Mm-hmm. I I hate when TV shows do that. I hated in Escape at Danamora <laughs> when they fucking escaped from Danamora, and then the next episode was. I bet you're wondering how Paul Dano got into prison. And I was like, No, I'm wondering what the fuck yeah. happens after he gets out. <laughs> yeah, I hate. Yeah, I hate like the need for a constant backstory and mm-hmm. like how we just grown into as a as a society being like i want to know the origin of this i want to know uh what alfred pennyworth was like or whatever it's like nobody nobody really cares but i'm sure the i'm sure the show's great but i found are you sure that pennyworth the story of batman's butler is great are you sure (laughs) no my dad okay so my dad was like i've been watching this uh new series pennyworth and he said (laughs) he said it all epic and uh my buddy goes the prequel that nobody wanted. <laughs> and that's all I, I think when I think Pennyworth. But I but I, I found the artwork in that, in the style of that, that uh, they made it really different that time around mm-hmm. um, in that particular issue. Uh, it becomes issue. sort of um, like scary squ- stories to tell in the dark. Right. For an issue. Yes. Yes. Which that's is a great yeah, comparison. Guys, I'm going to do, wait, I'm going to do one off the dome. Ready? Okay. Uh, when I'm worth, I'm a butler. When I'm wise, I'm a clown. One of uh, well, one of me <laughs> saved is one of me earned. Penny, 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 finally, Penny, Penny. Tally Great up. Job. Great job. Uh, listeners, get excited um, for the game on this episode, which uh, does not go super well. You did that to yourself, <laughs> my friend. Um, also, the the baby issue to me felt like redundant information because I had heard Andrew tell me all of this when he read the other prequel book, and I'm sure most people reading this did not have that experience. And so the stuff about the orphanage, the the brush against Thomas Wayne, the experience of like looking Bruce in the eyes is new information that is compelling and interesting to people who aren't already aware of it well i think this is legitimately a bad thing about the book which is you know we should ask max and matt how they or i guess max already also knew we should ask matt how he felt about that but the story is so one-to-one with what was in before the batman that why did dano even say in his write-up why did he say this doesn't necessarily square with Matt Reeves' idea of the character, but he allowed me to do it, and that's fun. It, it feels like he and David Lumen and Matt Reeves all got in, you know, locked themselves in a cabin and went, in every bit of tie-in media, the Riddler's backstory must be the same. It would have been so cool <laughs> if this one had a different backstory from before the Batman. It's kind of weird that he made it so similar. 
I agree. I agree. Um, I think, I think, yeah, that was my biggest surprise was, was wanting there to be a little bit more, whether it's like the timeline adjustment where we start even earlier than we expected or even later than we expected. Um, I think it does mean that I was really looking for like that depth, you know, cause I, I don't think it was just that Paul Dano, maybe it was, maybe it was just that he was like, Hey, I, I, you know how I always do those like research docs for my character. I started writing this one as a comic and then they go, great, we'll publish it as a comic and you can put this little sales pitch thing at the beginning of it, basically. But it was nice to sort of find like the poetic ways where Paul Dana was actually able to kind of communicate um, like, what is it? It's not irony, but like there, there's something about the character. Um, I, I think my favorite part in issue one is just like getting to know how he sees the world. And there's a line here, which I think feels like the thesis for for the issue, for the entire graphic novel. He finds the, the, the mistakes in the documents. He gives them to middle manager boss. Middle manager boss rides that to get a promotion and get invited to lunch. And then he's like, okay, all these years at my desk, hoping they would see what I can do, wishing they would look past the shell of the man in front of them and see me. And I, that, that's like a cool way to kind of phrase like action in general, where it's like, well, dude, if you're the shell of the man at the desk, like how could they possibly look past that if you're just doing spreadsheets and if you're just kind of running this stuff up the flagpole. And so for him to kind of go from that point of like, it doesn't make sense for him, but it makes so much sense for me as a reader to watch him be like, oh, cool. Then I'll show him what I can do. Like I'll, I'll actually stop being this shell of a man and come alive in the ways that we've been talking about. Um, I thought that was a really compelling way to like, yeah, I get that depth for him. I, I also really enjoyed that him running things up the flagpole further alienated him in this scene where he follows his boss to the diner, presumably the diner where he will later be arrested. And he goes, hey, you know, we brought this thing to you. It looks suspicious. You seem to have hand waved it away, but I, I just wanted to say it. Looks really suspicious. And the boss goes, uh, do you like having a job? Then forget all about this and do not ever follow me again. I'd hate to have to report you to HR for inappropriate behavior. I'm not in the business of making trouble for my employees. So a little more evidence to Max's theory that he is the yeah. hello HR guy. Um, He's the harassment. <laughs> yeah. But... If if the guy if the other guy followed him, he would have been like, "Here's a raise." <laughs> I mean, that is essentially what happened, right? The other guy brought it to him, and he was like, well, yeah. "We're we're best friends." Now. Yeah, you want an office? Actually, you want to go to lunch? Yeah, that did happen. <laughs> um, but I I like this uh, interaction because it also shows that the f more Dano tries to disrupt this corrupt system, the more it plays into this guy is a weirdo, this guy is a freak, and so really any justice is moving him in a direction of further alienation from people. And the, it makes sense that the moral he takes away is, well, if that's true, I might as well go full freak like the Batman. Yeah. I mean, at this point, he is, he is correct that he and the Batman are the same. Mr. The Batman is doing the same shit uh -huh. where he's like alienating good people and his attempt at helping people. Like, uh... Edward sees the Batman save a woman from being attacked, and the woman is like, thanks, asshole. Yeah. Like, she is not impressed by the Batman because he is an alienating, frightening thing. And, uh, yeah, Edward looks at that and, like, takes the wrong lessons. Uh -huh. But also, like, 
he's right. They're the same. Well, I think at, until the Batman realizes he has to be different. As we're going to the end of the issue too, like that's when I think mm-hmm. I felt that sense of alienation as like a reader where he he stops being that like awkward guy at work and he becomes like when he's following his boss, not just around the corner, like down like it it's it's subway stops it's down all these stairs it's through all these dark alleys like he really follows this guy for a while and every step of the way i was like dude go home like what are you talking about and he acknowledges that afterwards where he's like oh i'm such an idiot i should have just knocked on his door at the office but it is the first time where i was like oh okay now i kind of know more like what we're dealing with and then we see him go home and scald his hand that might have been a flashback i guess but he like burns his hand and you're like okay yeah it, it's like fully locked in that this guy's like at his breaking point and, and it's about to come i like that sequence too where he's following his boss and you sort of see him in the background and he's just like a pair of glasses and a shape as like a foreshadowing to his eventual riddler image i like that little artistic touch mm-hmm. compared to like when we're spending time with his face and sort of feeling for him more as a person it's basic shit, but it works well, you know? It does. Just flipping through the pages, it, the, the artwork is so striking on almost every page. I also, I don't want us to move past him interacting with the Batman without pointing out that they just decided that the Batman was such a beefcake in this. He looks like Batista. He looks yeah. like, he looks, he's <laughs> ripped. He's just like a giant mountain of a man that Robert Pattinson could never be. He is big, and it's really funny when then on his little forums, the Riddler is like, he looked like us, but like big. Like, he's like big. I was like, what do you mean like by hot that? and big? Dear Riddle enthusiast slash terrorists, start hitting the gym. I mean, in the journal issue, there is a part where he's like, how do I get to be that way? Do I need to start rock climbing? He's like, rock climbing, military training, sit-ups? <laughs> yeah. I do, I, so the Jim Carrey Riddler and Paul Dano Riddler both have this sort of like parasocial Bruce Wayne Batman relationship. Is that, is that what happens always with the Riddler? Is that the deal from comics? Do we know? I'm not sure. No idea. <laughs> okay. This is what I get for not reading comics, but. Does he, does he know? I know. Let's um... phone a friend. <laughs> who's, who's the, the Batman expert? <laughs> not us. I like it. I like that um, in both versions. I like that you have a villain who is very, very intellectual, who is going to intellectualize the relationship with a guy who's just going to punch him in the face. Be like, no, we're the same. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, 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 I'm just going to punch you. I, I think that <laughs> I think that the Riddler is a great example, or 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 he's sort of the thesis as to why the Batman is such a good film because the whole idea of the Batman, right? The, uh, by the end of the movie, it turns out that while he has this whole inner ethos, this whole inner idea of why he's doing what he's doing and what he's trying to accomplish, that is not apparent to people who see him as a masked freak who runs around punching people in the city, right? He has inspired mm-hmm. the Riddler and all these other people to uh, essentially do terrorism, And it's an interesting concept because Batman's weird rules have always been a part of the character. He's always gone, I will stop corruption, I will stop murder, I will stop muggings, I will never kill. That would be wrong, which is strange, whether you think it's moral or not. It's at least a strange rule to have for a guy doing that stuff. And it feels like the Batman is the first piece of media 
or certainly the first movie to deal with the idea that not only is it a hard thing for him to maintain, but it's also very confusing messaging for all of these people taking it in. I, I was very on the Riddler's side reading this graphic novel. He was going around killing people who really were the worst, and I was going, you know what? That makes sense. Uh, and I, I think that if I saw the Batman beating people up and saving women from muggers and things like that, I think that I would just assume that he would go as far as to kill. He's not giving press conferences saying, of course, I have this weird rule. Please abide by my weird rule if you decide to also be of the, the, the Batman, you know? He's just like, here I am being violent. Please understand everything about me. And that's stupid. He's stupid. <laughs> he has learning. He has growth to do as well. I agree. I think that for most of this, I was like, I get where Mr. The Riddler is coming from. I get where he's coming from and I get where he's going. I get that the system is not helping him do what he thinks is right, which is what is right, which is stopping corruption and giving money actually to people instead of back into the pockets of billionaires or whatever. Um, I'm on his side on that stuff. The moment he's like, and the only thing to do is to kill the entire town. I was like, okay, okay, okay. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too far, bud. Yeah, his dudes yeah. take it too far in the movie as well because they try to kill Bella Real, the mayoral candidate, because they, they make the leap in the movie at some point from everyone in Gotham, every politician is corrupt to every budding politician will become corrupt. That's a little too much. But I, I think that from the graphic novel here, like that comes from a place where Edward like met Thomas Wayne, was genuinely inspired by him. And the more he learns about what is happening with the renewal project, which was Thomas Wayne's whole thing, is that it wasn't actually helping anyone. It's basically a money laundering scheme from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. And he's totally disillusioned at the concept of being inspired by, by a person and not a bat. Mm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Also, like, these drawings of Thomas Wayne, like, look like Joaquin Phoenix, right? What's up with that? That's a choice. That was a lot of the, Max, when you were talking about, like, Photoshopping stuff, I think that's when I realized, like, just some artificiality the most is a lot of, like, the faces. These yeah. ones are the watercolor faces. These ones are yes. intentionally. And again, this is such a stylistic like book of art that you can sort of subscribe meaning to a lot of this where it's like that's just memory faces or whatever but that's when i was like interesting you choice turn the page and you have like these beautiful like gouache whatever's and then eraser head baby yeah that is an example of a concept i thought was so cheesy but it was so it was illustrated in such a cool way i loved it where people call edward a baby or they say he's being you know immature or whatever and he'll go I'm not a baby. And then it'll zoom in on his eyeball until it reveals that inside his eyeball, right. there's a little infant baby. Okay. Well, there's a lot of like <laughs> reflections in his glasses imagery where like mm -hmm. there's him watching the Batman and you get the reflection of the Batman in his glass. And it's like that. Yeah. That's how he sees himself in that moment is I am the Batman too. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, yes. The baby stuff. Same thing. No, I like the baby stuff, but I really only <laughs> like it because the yeah. illustration looks so cool and goth and weird. It's such yeah. a fucked up baby yeah. is the thing. It's like <laughs> his conception of himself is that he was born a fucked up freak. 
<laughs> and he clearly has always looked and felt that way. And it is that thing where it's like he's 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 he looks in the mirror and he knows how people treat him, but he was also told by this godlike father figure that he matters and for him to just spend his entire life looking for that proof, never really finding it and then being like, "Okay, fuck. I guess I'm going to become the Riddler. Let's just do it." When we see the drawings of little boy Bruce Wayne, though, he also looks like a weird round freak. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> another thing yeah. to connect to. Um, I do like, and I think this is uh, a lot of how I thought about issue two, was watching him, watching the Riddler, like, find the purpose and become, like, less sloppy as a result. Like, his sort of skill set seems to open up a little bit when he starts hacking and everything like that. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, I even feel like because he's more distracted at work, he's like not being like so noticeably weird so much of this is like man did you just need a hobby beforehand like you should have played professional poker or something i guess like, I don't know. <laughs> didn't we learn from taxi driver that sometimes the only way to deal with mental instability is to develop a hobby and sometimes that hobby is killing politicians mm, that's fair he did find a hobby that's right i should i should not diminish his, his free time activities <laughs> the plot goes on to basically be that not only does Edward uncover that this animal shelter thing is corrupt and, and helping, uh, you know, the renewal project launder money and stuff, but also that his boss is in on it. It leads to my favorite frame in the entire book, which is Edward thinking about talking to his boss because his boss basically recognizes that Edward could be a threat and sort of does a I'll take you under my wing move. And Edward's very aware that this is happening. And he's sitting on the bus. It says, could it be that something good could happen to me? Could it be that this brain will finally get put to use? Could it be that I might feel something other than this pain? Lots of shots in his head of his boss, this, this uh, bearded man with glasses. And then we get the frame of a nine-eyed monster mm -hmm. with a gaping maw with hundreds of teeth in it and... Just the glasses of the man on it. I really love that this frame, which is, of course, expressing that deep down this man is a monster, that in some way in Nigma's Nashton, sorry, Nashton's head. Which one is he in this movie? Nashton. Nashton. That in his head, this guy has exploded into this monster, that this is his true self. I really like that Subic, the illustrator, uh, has the only signifier of who he is be the glasses. This is not a half-transformed man. This is just a completely unrecognizable entity with his little professor glasses thrown on it. And then just a pane that says, liar. I like it. Yeah. The glasses are so integral to the final design of the Riddler that it is good. I mean, it, they must be prioritized visually throughout. This. Well, this is another character's glasses. Still, I don't know. I just think like glasses across the board like must be strongly present. Mm, mm -hmm. Like this page, I really like <laughs> this big. There's a lot of these like question mark images that sort of like come oh, yeah. and go in, in various ways. There's somewhere you have to like rotate the book too to sort yeah, of read them. That's yeah, cool. yeah. So this one, you like go through his life cycle in a little question mark down to our final Edward Ashton. But then like in the background, there's just like the Zodiac Riddler. <laughs> And it's all glasses. Oh, yeah. That's like his mask. I really like how often it, it, like a lot of the time, I mean, superhero comic books, comic books in general, like 
they use the splash page for like the action scenes and i guess for this you would think like i guess there's one really cool one with the giant critter that we'll get to um but like so much of the splash pages in this are done for horror like that giant monster just that really subjective beast that he sees or like yeah the the interior monologue and how they find a cool way to capture that visually while like yeah presenting you with the big question mark which is obviously the riddler's calling card and stuff um it works really well yeah seeing that imagery develop throughout as nashton like comes to it himself Mm -hmm. very cool to me very very cool yeah and there's they riff on some of that stuff where it's literally him since we're reading his diary sort of what's my logo going to be? Oh, interesting. Should I do this or should I do that? But it does start way earlier than than he gets to that point. Like, you know, I just, yeah, I, I like that almost interactivity with the reader. We're like, we know, you know where it's going. Like, we'll we'll start teasing you with some of the iconography that you're here for, frankly. And his terrifying murderer handwriting, which he does accounting in. <laughs> yeah. I like that's just how he writes all the time. I love when he's having the panic attacks and then like he, he like he does turn into these like monsters or whatever. It's all these this horrifying scene and then it'll be just like black and it'll just be like just yeah. breathe. And sound advice. It sounds like he's taking some uh acting classes and uh you know, he is enough. <laughs> Andrew, did you get vibes from this? I don't mean to get too insidey jokey, but did you I I just I had to ask. Max and I of course went to a uh, met in a in an acting program uh, in Chicago that's sort of famously uh, intense, famously uh, over intense. Uh, Max, what do you what do you mean by that? Just the, the just breathe, the I am enough, and the stay present. I mean, that was all. And then it, the fact that it is Paul Dano, an yeah. actor, <laughs> creating this basically this journal. Oh, that's fascinating. Where you're you're reading his homework for the movie role still? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, essentially, that's that's what it felt like. Well, well, Max, we are of course forbidden from discussing what goes on at so, so something that all chill acting studios do. But I, what is I, this, Fight right. Club? It's basically Fight Club in there. But um, I yeah. do agree with you in the sense that the this is how we would prepare for a lot of roles in there. Just an amount of homework that felt insane for one scene you were doing. Uh, and then <laughs> yeah. also just the way that the instructors would be like, feel the most psycho feelings you've ever felt. Feel lust that you feel could be dangerous. Let yourself feel it. And then when the scene's over, haha, laugh with your friends. <laughs> this is Andrew's last podcast. They're going to find this and uh, abduct you. They're take you out. The thing that sucks about is that it does just produce extremely talented actors and you're like fuck i hate that it works god damn it (laughs) yeah (laughs) i read this a couple weeks ago can someone describe for the listener and also for me how Mm -hmm. the riddler comes across who he deems to be a redeemable uh, uh almost innocent woman that's caught up in this scheme he sees her father get murdered on CCTV. Mm. And then is like, what's going who he sees the father and daughter interacting a couple times because he's he's watching the CCTV. And, and she's like, she is like a, a an employee, but a hapless, unknowing employee at the crime company. I don't think she works at the crime company. I think I don't think she does either. 
I'm with Matt. Yeah. Yeah, she's just the daughter of the guy who's basically running the the money laundering shop. Then they kill him because they think he's stealing money, but he's not actually. Mm. It's someone else higher than Some him thug. is yeah. doing it and pinning it on mm-hmm. him. And to fill his place, they basically blackmail his daughter into doing it. Because that's where that's where the missing money would have gone, is he was saving up money for the two of them to leave Gotham and go to Metropolis. And so they're like, oh, well, you were just the beneficiary of all this money that he stole. You're now our employee. Have fun. You got to pay it off. Mm-hmm. And she has a baby. And he just like sees her get pulled into this and tries to help her sorta and she's like leave me the fuck alone you're gonna get me killed (laughs) but she's probably right i think he feels a little guilty for not doing anything when her father is getting murdered yeah and it's clearly like a huge shock for him too i think that's the first time Mm -hmm. that he like understands the stakes of what's going on uh which feels like another kind of parallel batman moment the first time where you're like oh this is different than i thought it would be and for that to be him watching someone mysteriously get just gobbled in half and you don't really know by what um i thought they were just like dropping him head first onto concrete so the later reveal of what actually happened was a shock to me again the the artwork is very impressionistic at times and so it's hard to be like i know Mm -hmm. exactly what these human beings are doing to each other and so my read on that was like it's it's just dogs like you're just feeding him to a bunch of dogs and they ate him in half and now he's a half man okay anyway it turns out it's a big old crocodile because gotham is full of crocodiles this is facts it is a great reveal i'm not gonna lie it's very cool (laughs) cool. to just be like let me tell you what's happening in here and then yeah there's just a splash page of a big big old mouth there he is (laughs) yeah yeah he's very cool and that's kind of his like motivation and his first attempts at actually doing something is just trying to communicate with this woman tell her to leave she knows better than he does i can't just do that um and so yeah i think this is just building on him kind of breaking and everything uh and then issue four is probably my least favorite just because it's all the one the where he's a child it's the one where he's a child i i totally agree with you guys when you were saying like how weird would it be to just pick up this issue from the comic shelves and be like oh interesting okay um it's probably the most experimental too in terms of like the passage of time just like the conviction of his like childhood emotions and stuff um but yeah i don't know it's all the stuff with like him meeting thomas wayne and seeing bruce wayne and we still have that connection as loose as it might be but seems pretty straightforward he's like getting horrifically bullied at school making a kid blow himself up yeah and they make him kill a turtle which would traumatize yeah yeah Yeah. that was so dark and that and it was so dark in a weird different way there's this one little part where he just like makes eye contact with the turtle and then kills it anyway and i was like this is really unpleasant yeah to see and think about um and also like why are kids like that why are kids are like kids that? like that like that's that's know. always I my question not. with like these versions of gotham city for example where i'm like okay you gotta these people have to come from somewhere but there's a lot of stuff that happens like in these worlds where i'm like are people really like this or is it just fully, fully are happens? kids really smashing open turtles yeah. i think 
it takes like one messed up like twisted kid to take over a group of very impressionable kids at times and like mm -hmm. blur the lines of like oh yeah it's just a dumb turtle or whatever and like there'll probably be two or three kids that are like yeah you're right and then probably a couple kids are like i don't know and then there's definitely probably another kid who's like this is messed up i'm not hanging out with these kids tomorrow or for the rest of my life but i think it's kind of a group think thing and i think mm -hmm. it it comes from one or two twisted kids or something it's gotham and it's the like yeah it's the under uh underfunded orphanage yeah and and also like yeah when he sleeps he gets bitten by rats and that's why he has to learn how to drown them and stuff like that is because they're eating him alive while he's sleeping basically what a metaphor <laughs> for this bad city eating people alive there are some pages of this fourth issue about him as a kid that I think are pretty essential. There's this page, one of the pages where you have to turn the book as you read it, that mm -hmm. says, mm -hmm. <clears throat> Gotham's oldest and biggest accounting firm does the city's taxes. They are using renewal to clean their money. They're using renewal to clean their money and make payments through political funds, through charities to pay people off. I'm turning the book. It's the whole system. Now the book's upside down. It was a lie. It was always a lie. All this time, all this time I have blamed myself, but I never had a chance. Images of him as a kid around the periphery as you turn the book. And I think that's why Dano chooses to retread the territory of this character's childhood that's already been well established is because he wants to bring the forensic accounting thing from the present into this realization of I wasn't losing a battle my whole life I was doomed to lose right I had no, there was no no upward mobility no renewal project to actually help it was all a lie however I don't think that going this in depth to tell the story of him as a child is really worth the page count because what happens to him as a kid is not so interesting and it's definitely not surprising. It's mm -hmm. just, uh, he was at an orphanage. Orphanage was hard. He hoped for better. And that could be a page or two. I think that if you excised this issue, you still try to put that page I just read of him tying his past to his present. Well, that page is in the previous issue. Oh, sure. Okay. So don't worry about it. It addresses the past is my point is, you know, trying to, you, you can still tie his past to his present without doing an entire issue on it. And I, I found the the entire issue on his past to be tough. Tough to get through. Uh, I think, yeah, it, it, it feels like my least favorite narratively, but it does have some of my favorite, like, visual flourishes. So, again, just, like, kudos to these people where, if, like, again, I don't know how much meat on these bones there were when, when they were pitching the idea originally. And so it's like, okay, well, we, we want to do it as a graphic novel. We need six issues we need the backstory issue. How do we make it as compelling as possible? I, I'm glad to see all that experimentation on the page, but yeah, narratively, I was like, oh, okay. I really just don't know if this would feel like better new information if I didn't already know that it had <laughs> been presented elsewhere in the world of Matt Reeves as the Batman. <laughs> you know, like, if I didn't already know a lot of this, would this be really cool, compelling, and interesting to me? I think it kind of would. Including the stuff where, like, Edward is basically nonverbal until he meets Thomas Wayne, mm -hmm. that he, like, 
speaks in number codes and otherwise doesn't speak at all. I think that would be a really interesting piece of new information to me. The like the the orphanage bullying shit. I could really take it or leave it. I don't need it. It's enough that he's a fucked up weird little kid on his own without having other kids making him worse. And like I do think the the Thomas Wayne promises him something that he can't actually do and then has no interest in actually doing and that fucks him up forever Mm -hmm. is like important information to have definitely and i don't know how it would feel if i didn't already know that Mm -hmm. because it's not in the movie really and the way that he's let down like yeah it's like yeah we know that thomas wayne never would have given a shit about him and never would have helped him get into any of these technical colleges or whatever but the ultimate failure there is you died, which means you don't get to keep mm-hmm. your promise. And like, how do you really overcome that? So that was a cool, that was a cool bit of perspective, I thought. I, I think we're at the point now where if I met Paul Dano, no longer would my first question to him be, do you believe the brothers from There Will Be Blood are the same person? They would be, it would be, uh, did they put you in a room with children's author David Lumen to square the backstory of the Riddler? <laughs> and then the so we have an issue of backstory, and then the next issue is like journaling. All journaling. Is full like journal. You're just reading. Journal. You're just reading a book by this point. Yeah, I thought that was the most experimental of the uh, the issues there. That was yeah. It it got to a point where I didn't. I truthfully didn't read all of the the Mad Men's <laughs> I was like, it's hard to too much. <laughs> but yeah, but it, it it was it was cool for the like the graphic novel. Like I think that's a good chapter. But then like yeah, I'm just imagining somebody buying the single comic and being like, oh, I can't wait to crack yeah. this open. And then just like, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> the ramblings of a madman. <laughs> Yeah. coupled with like what do i want my little mask to look yeah. like little drawings which <laughs> i love that duality of like he's absolutely bug nuts insane and he's very practical about how to accomplish what he wants to accomplish yeah. and, and even even more so like this is the first time he gets to be funny too like this is the first mm-hmm. time that he's cracking jokes and stuff on the page and he's got some good lines in there in his journal where he's like, okay. Thanks for the tips on the detonators. Yeah. He has that line where he's like, oh my God, I'm so happy I could cry. I'm so angry I could scream, which feels like his sort of overall experience. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's purpose there. That's really great. But we're watching you just lose your fucking mind even more here. Yeah. I love this scribbly page where he's like, Batman and, Batman and, and then he's like, ah, I've got it, the Riddler. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's such a good build. He's it's it's basically a page of him writing uh, on the back of his Trapper Keeper, Edward Nashton, Batman, Mr. And Mrs. Batman. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mame plus man, Batman and Batman and Batman and like it's very much it's so funny. And then he lands on the Riddler and draws the like Zodiac symbol, basically, like with the question mark in it. And then is like, that's pretty good. But what if I could? finesse it how could i finesse it that sort of like back and forth of like that's insane and now i'm gonna make it just like i'm just gonna fix it logically is very cool to Mm -hmm. me and fun and this selfie with the rat i'm obsessed with (laughs) obsessed i i really like this page where he writes uh draft of first message Uh it (laughs) says to do activate site make welcome video and upload trust they will find you You have laid the breadcrumbs. And then it says, draft of first message. Hi, guys. Welcome. 
I first want to say that all of you is welcome. This is a safe space. You know what it took to get here. And anyone who joins us will already have proven they belong here, that they are one of us. Oh, congratulations, by the way, on passing the test. It wasn't easy, what I laid out for you, but you did. And now we can speak freely. So take a deep breath, let yourself know that the real you is safe here. Welcome to the community. But you didn't come here for a prize. You came here because, like me, you want the truth. You came here because, because you are, you came here because you can no longer live it. A city built on lies. You came here because you are finally ready to take control of your life. You came here to find your brothers in arms. You came here to take action. You came to the right place. He starts having w many more typos as he goes, and he's scribbling things out throughout, which I love. He's, you could tell he just wrote something incredibly stupid or cringy, even too cringy for the Riddler. And he just scribbles it out, writes something. Uh, you know, he, he does his little breathe thing, I'm sure. It's so fucking bug nuts crazy. And that like, hey guys, welcome, is so... Paul Dano really found that line of like funny, harmless, mm -hmm. scary guy, and then actual scary guy. And I'm glad that he could also do that in writing. It's not just a performance tech. It's like he gets it. He's doing it. I, I will say, I think in terms of, yeah, this origin story being exactly what we all would have guessed, um, I think I wanted more of, of the online community building stuff from the graphic novel just because when yeah. I finished this, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, he started a new incel reddit or something like that but like how much does this actually matter and then i rewatched the movie and i was like oh this matters a lot like so much of the movie is all of his minions dressing up like him the sort of hive mind stuff and i'm interested in that idea of hyper awkward irl person like becoming like king of the castle online and building this community and writing these letters and stuff like that. And like, what does it look like to attract these people? What does it look like to not just earn their trust, but convince them to do this? Like he has to radicalize this entire army. And I do think that watching him find his voice in that way, just because, yeah, it seems like we really enjoyed watching him find his voice at all through his diary and stuff. I think there was a missed opportunity to just see more of that play out in the issues and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I would have loved to see, like, yeah, him building his online fan base. I don't know how many followers he has in the movie. I don't... It's something like, it's something like 50. It's, it's, it's low, but they... Right. And we were joking, because, because, um, my girlfriend always yeah. talks about this one podcast that is an HVAC podcast, and she uses it as an example of, it only has a hundred listeners, but the guys running it make millions of dollars because... Uh, the amount of listeners that spend money on things advertised on the podcast yes. is almost a hundred percent. Because yeah. you know, if you if you guaranteed are going to get a hundred HVAC dorks, you're like, yeah, I'll advertise my shit. And uh, the Riddler's in the same exact position. It's like fifty followers. They all show up with rifles at the stadium at the end. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. They were yeah, they were ride or die fans. Um, yeah. But I I would have loved to see like. Who is the Riddler's like? Rid like who is the Riddler to his Batman? Is there a wannabe Riddler that he's like, 
wait, no, 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 that's not what we're doing at all here. What, what, are, we, what are you talking? I don't know. I would have loved to see a guy who's like behind Riddler and he's like kissing his ass or something. This is probably too comedic or anything, but I, I wonder, or if he if he's like in touch with like a fellow like follower or streamer that's like really into him, and then he like loses contact with them one day, and he's like, I wonder what happened to him, and maybe. I, I feel Maybe like he gave into his thoughts or something I, like that. I feel I like know, the key in the relationship between the Riddler and Batman is that the Riddler sees what Batman's doing and misunderstands it in a sinister way, right? And you could do that with the Riddler. You could have a guy that goes, "Oh, Riddler, that's so cool. I get it. Bomb random people. Shoot random people." Right. And he's like, "No, no, no, I have a whole right. I have a whole thing actually." <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I think the answer is like that's what the Joker does. Like there is a hierarchy of villainy in Gotham and they all have different levels of morality and rules. And eventually you get to the Joker who's like, I just love having a laugh. And sometimes that means shooting people in the street. And then it's just like the dominoes are falling and, and the, the final domino is literally pressing play on 2022's Batman movie. So it's him, you know, Going off grid, setting up his new apartment, buying all the fertilizer, planting all the maps, getting his first follower and stuff like that. Um, and then it's yeah, he he sets June's daughter free, the the woman who was sort of kidnapped and forced to run the shop now. Um, he finally gets her to leave town. He plants his first riddle, and then you know he's off on his merry way. He's going to well, get he, that of course- mayor gets his boss to commit suicide probably the most important the most Mm -hmm. the closest thing i can think to what dano meant by i pitched matt reeves the ending and he said let's go for it he it i guess it must have been he works at the forensic firm that is turning the other cheek and at the end he he foists his boss on the petard or whatever right I think he just like that. That's like his first riddle is is making his boss choose, like either tell your whole family about what you did and have them disown you, or like tell the cops what you did and have them arrest you. So it's sort of that like moral puzzle for this guy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Hannah Blackman. Yes. You are a very hungry alligator. Tom Chom. <laughs> you are uh, fed. <laughs> The, the very innocent man who is framed for stealing money. He didn't do it. It's sad. You feel bad about doing mm-hmm. it a little bit, but hey, you got to eat. Uh, this guy had in his back pocket, huge pocket on this back guy. He had The Riddler, Year One by Paul Dano, the hardcover edition. Crazy pocket yeah. in this guy's jeans. Yeah. Anyway, you managed not to eat that. Uh, you read the book. Do you think you'd recommend it to other beasts? I think beasts would like this, yes. Um, I think if you are interested in the Batman, you would probably like this. I mean, I think if you are generally interested in Paul Dano or the Riddler, you would like this. Like, there's a Venn diagram. If you are not in any part of the Venn diagram, you'd probably be like, this is creepy. Um, I think my mom watched me read it and was like, ugh. What are you doing? And I was like, I know, it's a lot. Um, but I do really, I really like this. I thought it was very interesting. And the art style alone is worth seeing. This is a great piece of physical media. The covers, front and back, really beautiful. And then if you, like me, take off the... Of course. 
covers, great front and back Ooh, on the hardcover itself. I did not do that. The dichotomy of Riddler mask and Egon Sheila sad boy shit is great. Um, I also want to flag in the back cover of the sleeve, it gives the little bio for Paul Dano, and it says Paul Dano is an actor, writer, director, and now a comic book writer, exclamation point. And that's so cute um, <laughs> that I support him and I think he should keep it up. So I liked this. I would recommend it to people who are interested in this thing. Mm-hmm. Like if people are like, should I read that? I, it sounds interesting. I'd be like, yes, you should. Yeah, it's good. He should keep it up you know? next year. The 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 brother from Little Riddler, Miss Sunshine two. Year One. <laughs> Riddler Year Four. He's still in prison. <laughs> yeah. Max Fitzpatrick, you are a corrupt politician who's been forced to either reveal his corruption to his family, kill yourself, or read The Riddler Year One by Paul Dano. (laughs) You choose the third option because it seems like the best. Do you think that you would be happy with your choice? Yeah, I I think I've already recommended this to somebody, so that's that's cool. I think, like, this is the first time I've been on uh, Authorized and have given the the full-blown thumbs-up recommendation for somebody, especially if they like comics, especially if they like Batman. But also, I think actors should do this a lot more. I don't know if it's, you know... Obviously, it probably couldn't be graphic novel as much as probably just, like, a a novel or a short story or whatever. But I, I think this was a really cool project. I thought Paul Dano had a really solid idea. And I thought... um I thought the story was pretty good. So yeah, I fully recommend it. And I hope to see more of this from young actors. Max, we're going to put <laughs> acting studio. I'm sure I've, I've bleeped every mention of them, but we're going to put them out of business by yeah. starting a rival acting studio where we charge people a lot of money. They come in and we go, the secret to acting is write an entire comic book series based on your character for <laughs> yeah. every scene. We are great and uh, <laughs> I think I think we do well. I, I'm just saying. I think that exercise. I think we got to change both nouns. Well. We are purple jar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matt Dartnell, you are a really jacked, beefy version of the Batman. <laughs> yeah, I am. You have an incredible year one fighting crime on the streets. But unfortunately, you have to stop being the Batman because you have all sorts of steroid-related complications that put you in the hospital for months. Because you're fucking huge. You have to fill your time in the hospital now that you're not fighting crime. And they, of course, have a copy of the newly published collection, The Riddler Year One by Paul Dano. Do you think that that would be a fun afternoon for you? Because it's not going to fill a ton of your time. Um, that's the beauty of, of comics and graphic novels is they rarely do fill a lot of your time, which means that this is a very fun investment of it. Um, it's a cool thought experiment. Uh, it's not the most surprising story, but like Hannah, you said, and like we've been talking about, I think that the the art style, just the like tangibility of it does give it enough new layers, I think, to be really enjoyable. Um, and Max, I totally agree with you. Like I, I've brought this up to a few people just in terms of like, did you know this thing existed? And everyone's like, wait, what? Paul Dano did what? 
and uh, I think I'll be handing off my copy. It'll go through its travels. Um, I think people will enjoy it. Andrew Overby. Mm. I got you. Don't worry. Great. Don't worry. Appreciate that. You... Yeah, yeah, man. I would never forget you, <laughs> ever. You are the bully at the Riddler's Orphanage who kills that turtle. Wow. And you've grown up, okay? You've grown. You've gotten therapy. You've left Gotham City. And you're like, I am improving myself and my life. I would never kill a turtle anymore. Mm-hmm. You are handed the Riddler Year One, which does chronicle that time that you killed a turtle and maybe created a terrorist. You didn't help, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Other people say to you, hey, man, what are you reading? Should I read that? Is it so good as a whole that you will share it with them, even though it does implicate you in the development of the Riddler, notorious terrorist in your world? Yeah, I would that recommend this. Makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I would recommend this to basically <laughs> anyone. Uh, I would say, story-wise, you know, B minus, B is fine. It was good. I, I I liked it. I think some of the story isn't ideal. Like I I don't know what's rubbing me the wrong way, but something about the Riddler's backstory being that he put a lot of stock into and essentially saved an innocent woman and her child. There's just something a little too white hat hero about it, and and. I don't love that aspect, but... Don't you like the complication that he can do one good thing and then think that that's what he's doing elsewhere? Yeah, that's interesting. That's sort of interesting. That I think maybe if it was structured more that way, if he did something good at the beginning and then he continued to think, I'm doing that sort of thing, I'm that type of guy, I think that would be interesting to me. Mm. Uh, but the fact that it comes at the end of the story where he gets her out of town, I'm like... What is this book trying to redeem Riddler for me? What's going on? Sure. But yeah, you know, B, B minus story. Artwork so damn good, I can't believe it. Love looking at this thing. Bummer to pay $30 to get a hardcover, but it's not the worst $30 to spend. I mean, the thing is gorgeous. I'll probably reread it before the Batman Part 2 comes out, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm stoked for that. Oh, yeah. I do, in general, just have trouble reading graphic novels. I read the pages way too fast. I don't feel like my brain knows how to process the information in the way that it's supposed to be done. So anytime I review a graphic novel, take it with a grain of salt, because it, the experience of reading these feels like falling out of a tree and hitting every branch, and the branches are the frames. I'm just like, oh, and then that happened, and then that happened, and then that happened. Turn the page, and then that, and then that, and it's I'm I'm really out of control. So... I do always feel, I mean, you said like, boy, was this worth $30? I never feel that a comic book is worth $30. You know, <laughs> never. It's always like, this is, this is too much money. I get that it's color and it's shiny and it's hardcover. I understand these things. My time investment is not worth $30. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not fair to comics, but it's how I feel. It's an investment. <laughs> oh, yeah. This thing's going to appreciate over time. I'm, be- <laughs> I'm going to resell this thing like it's a fucking house. Max Fitzpatrick, for our listeners, what do you do? Where do you do it? And why do you do it? Um, I, uh, I do a lot of things, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I like to act. I like to make uh, uh, films and, and things like that. Uh, I have... A little uh, music project coming out with my friend. It's experimental 
comedic uh, uh, music, and there's going to be videos to follow that. Hopefully that comes out. Uh, at least a, a, a video will come out before uh, New Year's, if not New Year's, uh, something along those lines. But I've been working on that. That's been fun. And uh, just uh, trying to do more acting and, uh, and, and filmmaking and things like that. So, yeah, and I have a website, Max dash fitzpatrick.com and um yeah you could go to that max thank you so much for returning to talk about yeah. the riddler of course of course thank, thank you for having me it's always a pleasure i can't wait to be back on um for something for something to our listeners please do rate our podcast review it subscribe to it check out our patreon it's patreon.com slash authorized pod also, if you leave us a five-star review on Apple or iTunes in which you write a paragraph novelizing a scene from your favorite film, we will try to guess what that film is on air. That's right. If you tuned into this episode because you love Batman and you have no idea what the fuck this podcast did, we do movie novelizations. We do not talk about graphic novels generally. We just did this for fun. So if you look... A couple days back in our feed, there's, of course, an episode on the novelization of The Deer Hunter. And in a couple days, we'll have another one on the novelization of Grease 2. So that's our bread and butter. Check us out. That's right. Check out the podcast you are listening to. <laughs> and as usual, I'm going to close out the episode by reading a passage from a classic piece of literature. Please do tweet at AuthorizedPod if you think that you recognize what this is from. Now, I... Googled Best Books 2023 to do this lame joke I end every episode with. And one of the top results was a book called Sperm Jackers from Hell, which I've now discovered is from 2017, and I won't be using it. But apparently <laughs> it's just there because Thriftbook says that if I order it, it will arrive in 2023. <laughs> what kind of fucking SEO is that? <laughs> It's broken. SEO is broken due to AI. We know this. Wow. This has happened. Google is not good anymore. AI just knows that I want to read Sperm Jackers from Hell no matter when it came out. All right. <laughs> hey, did you just feed that guy to that alligator? Well, sure I did. Why do you ask? Well, I'm just wondering why you did it. Seems like kind of an overreaction. Uh... I figured he wouldn't mind since fear is just a word. Good night. Anyone have a guess as to what this game will be? Anyone, anyone have a guess as to what this I, game I will be? I feel like this might be like um, an anacronym, not an acronym, one of, you know, an anagram game. An anagram game, like sneakers. Which I don't want it to be. But yeah, I think it might be that. I think it's going to be a riddle. Well, Hannah, you're going to hate what it really is, which mm. is, of course, 
I once again wrote riddles. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Did you write these after uh, being just exhausted from the last few days, or, or, or was this Andrew in his prime? Well, let's put it this way. Uh, I, this is the third time I've done riddles. I did that for, uh, what was it, Batman Forever, whichever one carries in. Uh, I did riddles, and then I did it for The Batman. And both times, we were recording maybe one episode that week. I wrote maybe one riddle a day. And this time, we're recording four episodes this week, and I wrote all these riddles this afternoon. So... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm adding an Andrew column on the scorecard. So if we don't get them... I like you get winning points. these games, but the issue is that I can win the slide by having written a shitty unsolvable riddle but okay right well we'll see if you did that okay so overby's riddles part three the question is am i out of practice or in my prime up first uh max would you read this first riddle for the audience please sure you need my grease you want my room you'll never know my flavor <laughs> Buzz in with your first name if you think you know the answer to this riddle. You need my grease, you want my room, you'll never know my flavor. God, I'm so fucking bad at riddles. It's not how my brain works. Honestly, Matt, I'm sure it's not you. Mm. I think this is a pasture prime, Andrew. <laughs> I really like this one. I'll also say, written in the style of the... Riddle from the movie, uh, to which the answer is um, justice. Okay, well, nobody's got it, huh? This is going to no. be a fun game. You need my grease, you want my room, you'll never know my flavor. The answer is, of course, elbow. Uh. Oh. <laughs> what does elbow flavor mean? You can't lick it. You can't lick your elbow, famously. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Got Good it. riddle, mm -hmm. dude. Mm -hmm. Thanks. I think this one's good. And if you guys think this one's bad, this things are getting so much worse. <laughs> All right. Up next. Two of these for coffee, one of them to bake. We long for the better one. Lumps? Not lumps. Bumps. Not bumps. <laughs> Buzz cups. Two. Cups? Uh, it's a good idea, but it's wrong. Yeah. Two of these for coffee, one of them to bake. We long for the better one. Ooh. I thought I had traction for a second, but alas. So, so fun to be back in the riddling saddle. <laughs> the answer to this one is, of I'm course... I'm so glad you are not the Riddler. Yeah, yeah, things would have gone down differently if I was the Riddler. Uh, specifically, <laughs> I. I would have gone down quickly. <laughs> Two of these for coffee, one of them to bake. We long for the better one. The answer is, of course, a half. <laughs> oh, half-baked. Half and half for coffee. Half-baked sure. mm -hmm. half is a mm -hmm. phrase. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we do really want good stuff. our better half. We do want the better half, so <laughs> it all really makes a lot of sense. All right, up next. Roof when nothing else is. To ask for more is to lose it. And we have uh, Bacardi Rum on screen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not a clue, just because of proof. It's uh, 151. Oh. Well, damn. Uh, 
Time? Time is not the answer. To ask for more is to lose it. Proof when nothing else is. In a la- w- with a lack of proof, you might rely on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, is it like knowledge or something? Evidence? Mm, evidence, proof, kind of the same thing, right? But I like that people are taking no. swings. To ask for more. Love. I think we're going for faith? an overbe shutout. Just kidding. It's faith. <laughs> it is faith. It's faith? It is faith. Okay, Fuck. I'm taking a point. Wow. 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 Incredible. Wow. Wow. I mean, given that these are essentially ranked from the one I thought was the best to the one I thought was the worst, I really thought when you guys didn't get the first two, we were just fucked. But here we are. Faith. I'll say words. <laughs> till the end of time. It makes you just sense. wrote all these? You just wrote all these riddles? See, Matt's impressed, which I appreciate. Uh, Max is, is, uh, I don't know, horrified, dead. Uh, <laughs> Hannah's like actively, uh, upset. It's a great dynamic. <laughs> we got the whole game. This one here. was the hardest. I would have never, yeah, I would have never got this. Well, Max, don't say that yet because there might be harder ones to come. A little of this sends you on a trip too much and you'll never be free again. Hmm. Little, little jail time? That is related for sure. Try to tie that in with a trip. I I don't know anything about jail <laughs> trip. I... <laughs> Prison time, though. Nice. A little of something sends you on a trip. Too much, and you'll never be free again. Hmm. Is it just drugs? <laughs> <laughs> it's just doing drugs in America. <laughs> wow. Okay, this one is, of course, <laughs> guilt. Uh, Uh, yeah the first half of it makes sense and is good and the second half it's almost like a few of these it's almost like i wrote a definition it's like is that a riddle (laughs) you just do go to jail when you're guilty (laughs) amazing all right up next (laughs) steep strong comes from ground ready at the 25th hour coffee edward norton <laughs> We're of course looking at Edward Norton in the twenty fifth hour. Uh, uh, Hannah, you're not Ooh. wrong, but what aspect of coffee <clears throat> steeps and is ready at the twenty fifth hour? Beans, grounds. <laughs> um, um, when you set your coffee machine to start at seven a.m. because you're not going to wake up in time. Hannah, so are you? It's gonna are percolate. you aware of how coffee is made? Because I don't know. Steep. Those beans, and you grind them up, and then you well, t- you put water through them, and they steep or whatever. I see. That's that's what I'm bristling against. The making a normal cup of coffee does not involve steeping anything. Steeping is like for tea or this one specific kind of coffee. A French press. What are you talking about? <laughs> is it just um, France? It ah, all right. France. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you, Hannah. But the thing is that. <laughs> maybe I just know this because I worked at a coffee shop for so long, but the only type of coffee we would steep, and it took literally 25 hours to be ready, was cold brew. I think the whole process of coffee is steeping, huh. actually. Just because sometimes you do it really quickly in a pour-over doesn't mean it isn't steeping through beans. Hmm. Is that why cold brew is so strong? Because yeah. it's just like... 
because it's just sitting there in the grounds for so long. Hmm. Uh, see, steeping tea or coffee means that you allow the coffee or tea to sit inside the water for a certain amount of time. I, I think that water passing through beans, I just read that off Google. I think water passing through beans does not qualify as a steeping. Well, I guess you make co- bad coffee that goes through for seconds at a time. Uh, yes, I do. I do. I make really <laughs> shitty coffee. <laughs> All right. Up next. A dream and a pitch. I'm the system fighting back. Ooh. Fever. Matt, this is, of course, a fever. Yeah, okay. I was going to say. Wow. Damn What's up? But you didn't say, Max. You got got. I know. It was at the tip of my tongue. It was like fever dream, fever pitch. Mm-hmm. Fever dream, fever pitch. Yeah. I'm the system fighting yeah. back. Yeah. Mm. So you're getting better, mm, Andrew. Well, mm. Matt, don't speak too quickly. There's just one more of these, <laughs> and it is a slide I was embarrassed to even include, and I almost didn't. So... Wow. Get ready to go out on a downer note. In peacetime, I hold walls together. In war, I tear them apart. I signify a real place. Is it like community or something? <laughs> Is it like a border? Ooh. When you write riddles, I don't know if you ever do. Do you start at the end? Because that's what I've been doing. And to get them back to a place... Starting with the answer, to get them back to a place where it actually makes sense as a hint, I'm struggling. <laughs> so it's not border. It's a thing that literally holds walls together, but can also tear them apart. Uh, is it concrete and then like a concrete location? No, but you're on the right track. That is the okay. idea. I think of that is an answer to this, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Hannah, I'll give that to you. The answer that I had, because it is both a thing that holds walls together and a weapon, is mortar. Mm. Uh, how does a mortar signify a real place? Uh, just the phrase brick and mortar. Do you have a brick and mortar location? Oh, we sure do. Come on in. Fascinating. Wow. Okay. With with any luck, given that the Riddler was in the Batman and that Paul Dano has completed the backstory of the Riddler, you may never have to experience this again. He may be back. We just don't know. He'll certainly be in the second one, but I don't think I'll pull out a bunch of riddles if it's a Joker movie where he pops up for one scene. Yeah, you'll write a bunch of fucking jokes. I'll write a bunch of fucking knock-knock jokes. 